Okay, well, um, look, I just want to say uh, welcome to everyone. My name is Chi. Uh, I'm the senior pastor of this church. Uh, and today, over the next three weeks, we're going to be starting our vision series. Yeah? Um, if I could get this, the iPad as well, that'd be great. Um, and the vision of our, ser- of our church is, let's say it together, ready? One, two, three. To build disciples who represent Jesus to everyone, everywhere, with everything. Now, this is my seventh year as a senior pastor in this church. Yeah. I started when I was 37 to think I want the older guys now, right? Uh, but you know, the team and ourselves, uh, we do what we do not because it's a job, but because we really believe in the vision of the church. Because one of the most expensive things you can ever give is time in your life. And so many of us have given time to this, to go, we don't want to just run programs, we don't want to just, you know, run worship sessions. We really believe that the heartbeat of God is to build disciples that will know Him, to represent Him, to their everyone, everywhere, with everything. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to share some of these. Uh, So we're going to take you guys a bit of a journey. And so a quick show of hands. I just want to see who's been here for the last, only in the last three years. Put up your hand, high up. You've only been in this church the last three years. Okay, thank you. I just want to get a bit of show of hands because we want to go through a bit of a refresher of what the vision is, but I also want to thank for those in our church who've just journeyed with us along the way. Now, one of the greatest challenges that I face as a senior pastor is to be able to share that this is not just the church's vision, but this is actually God's vision for your life. And so over the next three weeks, today I'm going to be covering God's vision for all of life. I'm going to give you the biblical why. And then next week we're going to talk about building the whole of life disciple. What does that mean for you? And then the third week we're going to talk about building a whole of life discipleship church. What does that mean for us as a church? And why do we do the things the way that we do as a church. And so what I'm going to do is something a little bit different today. As I was praying uh, to the Lord, uh, I just felt this conviction about giving you a biblical imagination. Everyone say imagination. When was the last time you used your imagination? (laughs) Right? But not just a human imagination. I want to give you a biblical imagination that God will help you see His vision for all of life, which is where this vision came about. It's not just a good idea. It's from the Word of God. But sometimes we read the Word of God, we're so over-familiar that we lose sight of our imagination and we don't dream anymore, we don't explore, we don't touch, feel the dimensions of what the Word of God actually means and what that means for our life. So that you can have the biblical confidence to be able to say that I am all in with this vision. Can I hear an amen? So today is going to be something a little bit different. I'm not going to kind of, I usually give a lot of real life stories and stuff stuff like that, but it's a little bit more, let's go into the word. And she's going to try and attempt to do his paraphrasing of the word, okay? And so I'm going to do this by first of all retelling a story. It's the most important story that you will ever, ever hear in your life. It's a story that will help you make sense of the world that you live in. It's a story that resonates with your life. 
It's a story that helps you discover God's vision for your life. In fact, it's actually a story that I hear echoed every single time I meet different people. I hear it when I do a hospital visit of an older woman feeling the burden of aging. I hear it echo when I have a discussion with a middle-aged man who resigned from his job and trying to align his life with God's a purpose. I hear it when my sons grieve for their loss of their mummy. I hear it echo when I see husband and wives trying to rediscover their love for one another. Do you want to know what this story is? This is God's big story. You see, the Bible is a book of six, six books in one, but really it's one big overarching story. And in this overarching story, it shows that God is the creator of all life. God cares about all of life, and He's at work in every part of your life. And the Bible doesn't just speak to the spiritual matters of your heart or just moral values, but to the whole of our lives, Monday to Saturday, as well as on Sunday, in private, as well as in public, in culture, as well as in church, in our work, as much as in worship. And it's this whole of life perspective that is not limited just to a few Bible passages here and there, but you'll find it woven through the story as a whole, from creation to new creation, from the garden in Genesis to the city in Revelation. And we're going to journey through the story of creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. Amen? Now, how many of us have heard that? Creation, the fall, redemption, restoration. It's not new for some of us. But what I want to do is I want to expand your imagination. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the Word of God. And then after that, I'm going to say, imagine with me. And that will be cue for you to close your eyes and listen to the words that I speak. And then at the end of it, I'll say amen, and then you can open your eyes. Sound good? Okay. So creation. And we see in creation that God has a vision for all of life. Okay. Wrong verse. We'll go to Genesis 1. I'm going to read it. Verses 1 to 3. The first page. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, saw that the light was good. Verse 31, then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So imagine with me. Close your eyes. So here we have God as creator taking center stage. With the vision of an entrepreneur, the creativity of an artist, the designing eye of an architect and the precision of an engineer, he made the world out of nothing. In fact, he got busy building a temple, but it wasn't a temple made by bricks or mortar, but this temple was the earth, the world. God's will. 
governed by the sun, moon, and stars, and bounded by sea, sand, trees, and land. In orderly fashion, he began to create. He saw. He spoke. He named. He separated. He ruled. He delighted. He blessed. Everything well ordered, fitting, beautiful, bursting with life. Everything in its place, from the intricate parts to the immense parts, from the seas to the stars, the turtles to the trees, His creation. You see, God didn't just create the world; He created the world good, all of it. How is that? Is that what you see when you read that scripture? Has this sparked your imagination? God cares about souls, but God cares about the world, everything, because He made everything. What He made in day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six—all of it is. Everyone say good. And what that means for us is that there is no sacred and secular divide. There is no things that is more holy than the other, because when God first made all of life, He had this vision that all of life was good. Can I hear an amen? Let's continue. Genesis chapter two, verse four to seven says this: "This is the count of the heavens and the earth when they were created, and in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Everyone say cultivate. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground." Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living person. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and there He placed the man whom He had formed. Genesis one twenty seven thirty says this: So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God He created them, male and female He created them. Then God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground." Then God said, "Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground." Everything that has life. So imagine with me. Close your eyes. And here we find in God's creation required cultivation. At the height of His inspiration, He made His prized possession: you, me, man, woman, people, flesh and blood, made in His image. It was so revolutionary that we often miss it. Because only kings at that time were images of God, but surely not us, for we are just mere slaves of the gods. 
But yet, our God, our loving Father, crowned us with His image. And now the world needed no idols, no paintings to show God, because together we would image Him in His creation. And God places us in His garden with the task of cultivation, where we serve God not in a temple with walls, but in His world without walls. Through our marriages and our work, it meant the building of families, the growing of crops, the breeding of animals, whatever it took to flourish God's garden. And as kings and priests of God, this task of filling and ruling, God still places in our hands today. The architect at his desk, the doctor in a clinic, the mother in her home, the teacher in a class, the husband and wife in their bed. Tasked with the building of houses, the designing of clothes, the raising of families, the investing in friendships, the flourishing of the economy, the writing of poetry, and even the playing of music, all of it sacred, all of it whole, all of it good, all of it done as image bearers of God. So society grew, culture developed, civilizations were built, but through it all, there was human flourishing. Flourishing in our relationship with God, loving and living under His rule. Flourishing in our relationships with one another, having no need for fig trees because there was no shame. There was no sin to hide, no ego to prove, no love to lose. Fully known, fully desired, fully understood. And flourishing with creation where there was no flood or COVID-19, all lack because there was no need to pillage the earth for food. You, me, images of God, cultivating flourishing. This was what God called Shalom. Amen. How is that? I hope it's sparking your imagination. I went, I went walking in Chatsun the other day and it was walking past Gucci. Not that I shop in Gucci. Or, but I remember turning to Eugenia and go, I couldn't think of a worse job than trying to design high-end jobs and selling $15,000 for a bag. But then I was critiqued for that because I had this divide, didn't I? Some of it is holy, some of it is unholy, but hasn't God created creativity? God added colors, design. It's not wrong, but it can be redeemed for God's goodness. Can I hear an amen? And I wonder for you, whether you have God's vision for all of life. Do you really believe that all of life really matters to God. Can I hear an amen? And in chapter 2, we find the fall where we see the impact of sin on all of life. And in Genesis 3, it says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you've eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And with hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. 
both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. Yet you shall eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, and until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Imagine with me. Close your eyes. Who would have thought a simple bite would bring about such tragedy? God gave us incredible freedom, but placed only one limitation. But yet, without hesitation, we rebelled against God. Thrown out of the garden, there was now separation, and it opened the door to sin's devastation. And God's good creation was distorted and broken into something less: love replaced with fear, responsibility with blame, kindness for cruelty, and service for selfish ambition. Covered with fig leaves, we now have something to hide, because sin turned everything inward instead of upward and outward. It replaced, removed God, and placed self in the center of life. Yet we still bear God's image, though damaged, and the task of filling and ruling still remains, though distorted. Because you see, sin doesn't just make us guilty, but it makes us unable. Unable to cultivate the earth as we should, and like a stone thrown into a pond, the disobedience of Eden brought a disorder that rippled through individuals, families, societies, and to the whole of creation. It was sin that turned work to be a source of frustration as well as fulfillment. It was sin that turned families as homes of hurt, as well as healing. It was sin that turned our environment to become a place of exploitation as well as stewardship. You see, sin doesn't demolish economics, but it distorts it through selfishness and greed. Sin does not destroy sexuality, but it diverts it down harmful paths. Sin does not do away with the need for politics, but it directs it to serve the interests of the powerful few. Sin doesn't hinder creativity and innovation. But it distorts it into opportunities for darkness and manipulation. Sin impacted all of life, and when left unchecked, it leads to death. For the wages of sin is death. Amen. We feel the impact of sin in all our life every day, don't we? Can you hear God's story in your story? We feel it as we have friction in relationships. We feel it when we have sickness that is not due to anything of your own doing. We deal it when there's politics at work, when we have to, like when we even when we do the right thing. We feel it when we want to try and have a baby, and it ends up being in a miscarriage. And we suffer in silence. But my encouragement to you in that is this: Don't let brokenness, sin, and the devil win. Can I hear an amen? Don't let it disillusion you. Don't let it make you indifferent. Don't make it let make you less hopeful. Don't let it make you feel like I just don't care. 
Don't let it make you settle for anything less than God's vision for all of life. Can I hear an amen? Chapter 3. Redemption. God is working to redeem all things. Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 to 21, a beautiful nuggets and summary of the work of Christ. And it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heavens on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, everyone say all things, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Everyone say all things. All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So let's imagine with me. Yet in this broken world of sin, God never given up, never has given up on us. In our failures and our faithfulness, God continues to be with us. Like a broken rare vase, God refuses to throw us away. But instead, piece by piece, with precision and care, He rebuilds you, me, and his world to be made good again. And from Genesis to the Gospels, we see moments of his mercy. God writing a long story rooted in a people and a place in which God works out his plan of redemption at his pace. From the fig leaves that cover the shame of Adam and Eve to the ark that saved Noah's family. From the rainbow as a sign of promise to the covenant he made with Abraham. From the blood of the Passover lamb to the exodus through the Red Sea, God redeeming us as His image bearers once again, His chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you know you are God's precious, special possession? And there at Mount Sinai, God gives them a vision of representing Him in all of life, echoing the cultivation of God's garden for human flourishing. You see, the commandments doesn't just restrict, but it restores to Israel everything that slavery in Egypt had damaged and destroyed. Freedom from pagan gods, freedom to work with dignity and take time off, freedom to maintain proper family relationships, freedom to construct the framework of law and order, freedom to own your own houses and livestock, and to honor the ownership of others. And in that freedom, God calls us to be holy as God is holy through the book of Leviticus, a book we avoid reading because it seems too difficult to see the relevance of its meaning. But it reminds us that holiness touches all areas of life, not just the religious ones. Holiness doesn't remove us from the world, but calls us to be earth in living in the messiness of everyday life, in the working crops, in maintaining soil, in buying and selling goods, in looking after parents, in observing Sabbath rest, in providing for the poor, 
in how you work, in what you eat, in who you sleep with, being countercultural in the process, living in the world but not living like the world. Yet none of the people standing before the mountain at Sinai would enter the land God had given them. They would fail, and the rest of the Bible shows just how much failure there would be. From military leadership to kingship failure, for sin has made us unable to avoid our tendency to corruption. Something more fundamental than land, kingship, and temple was needed. And the prophet Ezekiel told us of a redemption, an inward renewal which only God himself could bring. That one that will cleanse his people, give them a new heart, put the law in their heart, and give them a new spirit. A vision of God bringing piles of dry bones together, putting flesh on them, and breathing his spirit just as he did with Adam in creation. All of this pointing to the moment in history when Jesus Christ was made flesh in the human story. Our God understood what it meant to be human to be vulnerable, to be tempted, to be thirsty, to be weary, experiencing pain and death, but yet was without sin. And in this great crescendo came God's chosen means of redemption, Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Reconciled to God through the cross, we are now free. Free from the law, free from the power of sin, free from the fear of death, free to live and serve the Lord who has freed us in the power of the Spirit. And in that Spirit, He made you and I new creations so that we can be part of this great redemptive story. Because redemption was not just for you and me, but it was for all of life. Because Paul says he reconciled all things to him. Amen. How was that? I'm sure some of you this works, some of you doesn't. It's okay. But again, the point is to spark your biblical imagination. That God has a vision for all of life. All of life matters to God. Your Mondays to Saturdays, your Sundays, your private, your private, public, culture and church, work, worship. We experience the fall and we feel it every single day because sin infects every single thing. And that's why the Savior didn't just bring a political change. But let us not let sin and the devil win and lose sight of God's vision. But here we see in the story of God's great redemption that He has now restored you and I as His image bearers so that we can represent God again to our everyone. Amen? In our everywhere and our, with our everything. Can I hear an amen? If you want to find God's purpose in your life, it will be in this vision. Because we are still in chapter 3. 
because chapter 4 has not come. If you were to do a timeline of God's story, you'd go Abraham, Moses, Joshua, well, Joshua, man, I'm trying to get my Bible right now, yeah? David, Solomon, Jesus, Peter, Paul, then Augustine, then Chi. Okay, not in that category, right? (laughs) But then it'll be Jeff, it'll be Karen, it'll be Bill, Shamila, George, Mabel, Ken, Jeanette, Simon, Janet, Robert, Karen, Mike, Kenneth, Duke, Ollie. We are still part of that story. Can I hear an amen? So if you want to find your vision, you're going to find it here. You're going to find it in God's redemptive vision. So who is your everyone? Because God has placed the people there. Where is your everywhere? It might be at home. It might be even where Venetia is and you're watching Venetia in hospital right now as a 93-year-old. Because wherever God has placed you, what does redemption look like there? And He has given you everything. If you have a creative spirit inside of you, do not deny that, embrace it because it can be redeemed and used for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? If you have a desire to multiply money and invest it and to see it fruitful, to serve the poor and to love your neighbor for the glory of God, use it. If you have a heartbeat for education, you want to see how we can learn the way we train and educate people in a holistic way, use it. If you love gaming, right, and you have a passion for it because it connects with you with people who are online, who don't necessarily engage in a lot of other spaces, use it for the glory of God. Can I hear amen? Who is your everyone? Where is your everywhere? And what is your everything? That's why this vision of our church is God's vision for you. Can I hear an amen? Yeah? And that is the biblical why that I want to leave with you. And lastly, we're looking forward to the restoration. God is coming again. And we see in Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with him, with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything. Everyone say everything. Everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. God is coming again. So let us live this life with a forward-looking faith. I'll finish off with this story and then we'll land here. 
I visited someone in a hospital this week. And I'm weary, and this will be my path. She's a 90-plus-year-old lady. And at that season, at that age, I, can, I can't imagine the challenges that aging brings. And I hear it, not just in that visit, but I hear it in many other visits. The sense that I'm going, I'm just a burden to someone. I don't want to be a burden to someone. I'm losing my independence. I don't want to be independent. I don't want to be dependent again. Where's my sense of significance? People consider me old-fashioned. I don't want to interrupt. They don't want to listen. What about my relationships? And where are my relationships? Well, depending on how the relationships are, it can feel extremely lonely and isolating. And your body can't do what it used to do, so all you feel is like all you can do is sit and just watch the clock and just go by its time. And as I sat there listening to that, I think to myself, God, how do we live with a forward-looking faith in that season? What does God's vision for that person look like then and there? Is it just that? Or is there more? Can there be more? Because all of life matters to God. Can I hear an amen? And so my encouragement to you is I, and that is the work that we as a church are wanting to do, to build you, the disciple, whether you're young, you're old, you're healthy, or you're sick, to go, how do we build disciples who can image God, represent Jesus to their everyone everywhere with their everything in every season of life, even in that season. And so my call to us today is will you Do you feel the biblical imagination? Do you feel the biblical conviction to be able to say, I am all in? Amen? So over the next two weeks, this part one of three weeks, we're going to share in much more practical details, what does this mean for you? And then the next week, the week after that, we're going to share, well, what does this mean for us as a church? Why do we do the things the way we do as a church? Right? It is all for this purpose. So if there's anything I can leave you with today, it's to see God's vision for all of life and for you to believe with biblical conviction and biblical imagination that this vision is God's vision for your life. Amen? Cool? Let me pray. Yeah? Let's stand up. Let's uh, stretch our hands out and then I'll just uh, hand it over to Juliet. Lord God, we just really want to pray right now that you would spark a holy imagination. Even as I went through the scriptures and I paraphrased it, God, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go before me and go and move into the hearts of everyone here, here and present and those online, that you begin to spark inspiration and revelation and imagination and this realization that All of life really matters to you. And you want to sit Lord over everything. And that there will not be any area of our life that you do not want to touch and be Lord over. And God, then you begin to add color and imagination about what your vision for our lives can look like in this season, in this plot of the garden in this world that you've placed us. With our everyone, our everywhere, and our everything. 
So, Lord God, I just pray over the next few weeks, God, that you begin to stir and move in the hearts of people to give them that vision, a redemptive vision of what that will look like for them in the here and now. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.